0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 101 of the Keep Rock Alive podcast. This is, uh, you know what, I'll be completely honest with you guys, I wasn't going to do an episode this week. I just didn't have time to do all the research and kind of figure out the topics and stuff. And yeah, I'll be honest, I got home, I got mega baked and something in my brain told me, you got to do it. Just ramble. <laughs> so let's see what happens. <laughs> I I owe it to you all, the, all the all the faithful listeners. I can't I can't leave you with just fucking corona talk. How fucking depressing would that be for the week? So let me let me ramble. Let let's let's see what happens in the deep dark paths of my brain. All right, um, something uh, something I wanted to kind of talk about this week. New music for for this week for one of my favorite bands, Big Sugar. If you don't know Big Sugar, ooh, there's a lot about Big Sugar. It's all it's kind of centers around Gordy Johnson, and he kind of has a lot of people who've come in and out of the band over the years. But the centerpiece, is Gordy Johnson, he he's an absolute musical genius. I saw him one time at a guitar. Or it was at Long McQuaid's here in Calgary. Uh, kind of just a guitar demo. He. Q and a just kind of played songs and I just couldn't get over. That was the first time where I don't know how else to describe it. Other than genius. He was talking about kind of how he learned music at when he was a kid, he had, um, or no, sorry, his first roommate after he moved out, um, had one of those self playing pianos back at the old days where you'd put in the reels and they would just go and the piano would play along to the song. So, he would just kind of study it and see where, what would play what, what song, what sounds would, would do what, and taught himself piano. From there, he just kind of learned every instrument and imaginable, and and um, so Big Sugar broke on the scene. What probably late nineties ish, mid mid to late nineties, <laughs> somewhere around that. See, that's what happens when I have a week where I get a lot of research done, you get all the exact dates and stuff, but let's just, let's, let's see what happens tonight without any, (laughs) but, um, mid to late nineties, they emerged in big in the Canadian scene. And, uh, at that time it was just rock. It was a lot of blues, blues rock. And, um, just kind of something fresh, um, for the radio waves. And, Their music really morphed over the years. Like, uh, here, let's let's see, let's let's do an example. Kind of their first songs were uh, digging a hole. Oh, I here. Let's see. (laughs) I could stop, but I think you guys want to hear when I'm trying to find the song. See, you know this song, right? Yeah, we all know that song if we listen to the radio at some point. Goddamn, how good is he? All right, so this is what happens. This is a perfect example of true musicians, true artists, are not businessmen. (laughs) You get a lot more pre-packaged, pre-shitty bands that are able to kind of play the game. They'll do the social medias. They'll do all that stuff. Guys like Gordy Johnson, he's too much of an artist. So Big Sugar got a little bit too big for his liking. (laughs) He he didn't like having that much success. And he always said, so he... Kind of broke up the band while they were kind of at their biggest, and started his own band Grady because he just said, "I missed. I don't like having a roadie. I miss. um I miss just loading up, loading out my gear." And he kept on bringing up a thing, so you know it was a problem with him in the band. Was he said when certain musicians are more concerned about the cashews in the green room. He's like, that's when I get upset. So he didn't like playing the big venues. So he wanted to just get back to the gritty old rock. And Grady was very much kind of that. He, he switched his persona. At the time of Big Sugar, he was wearing the Hugo Boss suits. He was playing the double neck guitars. He was kind of doing that like real rock star move. And then Grady, he moved down to Nashville. He put together this band, and they even would play, like, Big Sugar songs, but kind of sped up and kind of more honky-tonk rock. Not as much kind of the blues rock, kind of more of that country renegade rock. And uh, so even, like, Ride Like Hell, he would uh, – and a few other Big Sugar songs. But so when I saw him at that uh, guitar seminar, meet and greet, all that stuff – he was just kind of, that was in the mid part of Grady. And one big regret, this was, this was before when I still cared about what other people thought of me. and Or just kind of didn't have that re- moment of not giving a shit. Because I really wanted to go see Grady that night. They were playing at some small bar in Calgary, but nobody wanted to go. So I just didn't go. And I was just so upset. And I sat at home that night. I think I had, like, chicken nuggets or something like that, and I just was so upset I wasn't at that concert. But I did go to the earlier Long McQuaid um, meet-and-greet and and watch Gordy play, and it probably wasn't too much longer after that because I'm trying to remember when, but it seems very, very young for me when I decided to not give a shit and just start going to concerts alone, and thank God I did because the amount of shows I go to probably it's gotten better over the years, but for a while they're like 80%, maybe a little less. Cause Mike comes to a lot of concerts with me, but you know what I mean? All those like small rock club shows, I'd just go alone. And you, after a while you just realize you don't give a shit. Like you can just watch the bands and nobody, nobody judges you cause you're there alone. So that's a big breakthrough. And you see a lot more concerts, especially like Stampede ones, because everybody just wants to go, uh, Stampede, for anybody who's not in Calgary, is where everybody just gets drunk off their ass, and pretends they're cowboys, and just drinks for an entire week, but for me, Stampede is only about concerts, and fuck, unfortunately we're not having it this year, so this is going to be a weird summer with no concerts, but... Everybody during Stampede wants to just go drink or not go down to the grounds at all. But fuck it. I want to see bands like Thornley and The Trues. And I'm trying to think. Who, there's always just like all those um, Canadian rock bands that I love. I've seen like, fuck, I've, I've probably seen, I've lived in Calgary 2009 maybe. No, that's when I started school. 2000, let's say 2008 was my first stampede since then I've probably seen on average three to five concerts per stampede there for 10 years so that's pretty good amount of concerts seen at one one place which is why I'm extra sad not getting it this year but um where was I going with that oh that I'm always just going to those concerts by myself because Yeah, for those two reasons, people aren't going to come to those small Canadian rock bands and see Crash Karma open up for Default or Naked Ladies or... I'm trying to think. Off the top of my head, all those. Theory of a Dead Man, those kind of bands. But fuck, I've seen some good ones with... And speaking of Big Sugar, (laughs) on, on topic from that... Well... Okay, let me write this down. I'm going to earmark. I want to get back to... Grady and him breaking up Big Sugar at the stop or at the top. Usually I would just cleverly try to segue this in, but I'm a little too baked to do that right now. So I'm going to set a reminder because I want to get back to Grady, how much I kind of respected him from that standpoint. Grady. Okay. Back to Big Sugar at Stampede. One of the best (laughs) concerts I have ever seen was um, when... let's, let's fast forward a bit. Uh, Gordy Johnson decided he was done playing the small clubs and all that. He wanted, he wanted the big sugar rush back. So he put the band back together. And at the time it was just kind of a few shows here and there. It would be Mr. Chill, uh, Gary Lowe and him. And the rest of the band he'd have filling in was the trues. So obviously I'm going to love that. And it was just kind of one-off shows. They did, uh, The first one was a New Year's Eve show up in Edmonton. And um, after that, they would just kind of like once or twice a year reunite and just kind of have the Trues be in the backing band. So after Gordy got Big Sugar back permanently, they put out an album. He had like a big lineup then. He had uh, Gary Lowe, Mr. Chill, Gavin, who's now with the Trues on drums, he had, when I saw him, he had one girl just singing, and then his daughter, who had to be like eight or nine at the time, also just singing. Um, just kind of those those backups. Him, oh, yeah, and then my favorite. His name was Friendliness. He was a white reggae rapper slash keyboard player. And, yeah, whenever you hear... um the word white rapper with cornrows, you just completely, you're butthole puckers. But friendliness brought something to that band that was just so perfect, and it just worked so well. And sure, it would have worked a little better when if a black guy was doing the reggae rap, and it just seems a little off. But he pulled it off. So a perfect example of that, I'm going to play this. They put out an EP called Yard Style, where he just kind of, they recreated all the Big Sugar songs. They had, like, 10 people on there. They had three guys just playing drums and different instruments. And 100 Cigarettes is one of my actual favorites. Like, it's one of those ones I always just keep on the playlist because it's just such a happy and perfect song. Okay, I want to get to friendliness's part. Which is. Right. Oh, here we go. I just walked one gun cigarettes. <laughs> See what I mean? Like, you can't knock that. It's yeah, he worked. It, it worked perfectly for that one. So when I saw Big Sugar, this was the first time I actually got to see the band put back together. Um, it was at the Stampede on the Coke stage, and of course, the trues were playing with them. So they had the trues opening up, and then Big Sugar came on, and um Sean Dalton, who was drumming for the trues at the time, just stayed on and did both sets. No, 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 I'm lying. He was just on a bongo and just played that drum all night. Uh, John Angus came out like two songs in and then just stayed the rest of the set and just played guitar. So I'm seeing big sugar with this like filled out eight piece band. And then pretty much most of the trues are on stage. Colin comes on and sings a few songs with them. So it's kind of that perfect, perfect concert for me where how much I love the trues and then Big Sugar getting all getting to hear the Big Sugar songs for the first time since the only other time I saw him was the the guitar meet and greet I was talking about at when he was with Grady. So getting to hear Dig in a Hole, um, I'm already blanking, fuck, uh, <laughs> God damn it. I'm gonna be pissed off. If I had my way, turn the lights on. You know all the ones. I'm a ram, all that. So getting to hear those songs finally with the whole Big Sugar and and they're a band. Like I was a weird kid. Like I was listening to music. I probably well not Big Sugar, but when I remember bringing in Big Sugar when I was in like grade four and everybody was listening to like Spice Girls and all that stuff, and then I'd put on that and half 90% of the class actually would just look at me. And most of my stuff was a lot heavier than that. It'd be like ACDC or I don't know if I was into corn or whatever in that time, but I was always just freak out everybody with them, all my weird music. And big sugar was definitely one of those where I'd bring into class. So I've been listening to big sugar for a long time. So finally getting to see those songs played with most of the original band was awesome. And, um, so I saw them there. Oh, I saw them at Cowboys one time, and that was kind of a funny story because I decided back when we played slow pitch uh, baseball, uh, they'd have these snow pitch tournaments. So you'd play in November, I think. Yeah, I think it was November. And so the one year we played, it was actually a lot of fun, but fuck, it was cold. It's It wasn't terrible, but it's one of those... When you're out there all day long, your just muscles are just tightening up. You're constantly stretching and just trying to like keep loose because you feel like every time you stop, your muscles just all contract. So I get home from a full day playing at a snow pitch tournament. I remember I had like a quick bath to kind of like get rid of the chill and try to warm up a little bit. And then my body was so sore, but I went down to see Big Sugar at. Um, at Cowboys. And it was one of those, it hurt. (laughs) Those were in the um, early days of me smoking weed. So I remember I brought a joint and I went out and I took like three little puffs and I was so nervous about being like kicked out of the concert for smelling like weed. I was such a square. Now I'm like, now I'm a little too cocky about it. But back then I was just way too nervous. And, but that kind of relaxed all my muscles and I was able to kind of enjoy that concert. And so that was the, this was around the same time, probably after, well, of course it was after I saw him at stampede. It was probably like a year, maybe after that. So same lineup and that kind of full eight piece band. And real cool to see just that full set them doing that like hour and a half concert. And just, I'm always in awe of watching Gordy live, just like, I get that with a lot of guitarists. When you when you're watching those masters, like I can I can pluck away on a guitar, but I'm not really a true musician like these guys are. So, getting to watch these guys up close, I'm just I find I'm just staring at their hands the whole time. <laughs> that sounded really weird. In no way am I imagining what he does with those fingers <laughs> unless they're on a guitar. That's exactly what I mean. But um, where was I going with all that bullshit? I'll be honest. I had to pause there because I started coughing. Fuck you, bong. I, that's what it, Bongs are just so perfect but they get you so much phlegm and so much shit you're always coughing. And especially with all this rona going around, we should probably keep those lungs uh, on the vaporizer or edibles. But you yeah, know, I need that um, bong kick that will make my brain ramble and Make a podcast for all of you. But um, getting back to Big Sugar, I'm trying to think back. I don't think I've seen them again since then. That's the problem with... I don't... I'm not even going to call that a problem. When when you go to so many concerts, you have to think, how many times have I actually seen them live? Has it only been four? Or no, for him, it'd be three. It, it just seems odd when I've seen... When you've seen guys like Ian Thornley probably 28 to 30 times, you're just like, there's no way I've only seen Gordy Johnson three times. And I know what in like a few days I'll stumble upon something that I saw him at whatever concert or whatever. But um, getting back to why I was wanting to um, talk about them, they put out a new CD this week and... um, what let me get the name of it eternity now so you're all bored of all your quarantine shit right now i know i am where it's just like we've played every enough video games we've watched everything on netflix and all that listen to some good new music and i was laughing today that they're at the at this point i was i was mentioning earlier how they kind of morph and kind of change as the years go by so they started off kind of the blues based rock band and kind of went a little more rock then would um then they broke up when they came back they started uh, kind of as a reggae reggae uh element they sorry they took the big sugar songs and brought reggae elements back into it. So that's kind of a lot why friendliness was in there. And it it worked. Like, I loved it. And um, you could tell uh, the whole band was in the whole reggae thing. Like, they're all wearing the Jamaican, the Jamaican um, colors. And there's always all this talk about weed and videos of them smoking weed backstage. So they're definitely in the reggae portion. So Gordy now... So between then, they played a few more years, and then all of a sudden, Gordy made this huge announcement. Friendliness had left the band. Um, Mr. Chill, I'm trying to think of his actual name. Fuck, I can't remember. But he plays harmonica, amazing in the band. He was going to retire from uh, music. He was just kind of done touring with it. And then, unfortunately, the news came out. Gary Lowe, the longtime bassist of Big Sugar, um, they put up a post kind of saying, like, keep him in your thoughts. He, but he's he been privately battling cancer. And then, unfortunately, he did pass away from that. So um, from there, Gordy kind of stopped Big Sugar for a while after all that. He made a big post about how, uh, becoming sober and uh, kind of, he put it all out on this big Facebook post about how, like, he wasn't being faithful to his wife, he was abusing drugs, just like, and he was just like, my new life is only dedicated to music and my wife, that's it. Like, when somebody's that honest about it, it's like, holy shit, I wouldn't put all that out there, but... um It's like good for him for getting sober and kind of getting his life and figuring out what he wants and out of his life. So you didn't really hear from him for probably a year or so or a year or two after that all um, went down. And at that point, you kind of assume Big Sugar is done when two of the uh, pretty much as Big Sugar was. It was the three members. It was Mr. Chill, Gary Lowe and Gordy Johnson. That was the three main members. Other guys kind of came and went. Um, but, um, where was I? Oh, so when two, when one member dies, the other one retires from music, you kind of assume big sugar's done and then not, you, you can't count out a true musician like Gordy for that long. Like you can't expect him to just retire and just not put out anything new, not do anything with his time. You know, he's just kind of He's that guy who sits and plays guitar for eight hours a day, just, like, making music, recording stuff constantly. So they put out this new album, Eternity Now, and it, it, it's kind of perfect for this time. And I was laughing because they've definitely reached that psychedelic reggae jam part of their career. So a perfect example of that, my favorite song on the album, Strange Spectacular. So it's just kind of a chill. But it has a lot of kind of long jams. So if you're not into this kind of long jam reggae kind of. Listen how good that is. Ooh. That's baby music. Mmm. <laughs> but, um, so. That, and then even kind of like... um Not just a, kind of that soft music, like the title track in Turning Me Out is a kind of... Okay, I need, that's not it. What was the song I really liked off of this? Wonder Woman's really good. Definitely listen to that one. But this is the kind of music... Strange. Oh, that's the one I already mentioned. <laughs> I don't know. See, this is what happened. The Better It Gets is really good. It's kind of a more upbeat rocker. Ooh, isn't that good? See, how good is that so definitely give it a listen but i recommend roll yourself a nice big joint and then listen to big sugar that big sugar album just kind of chill it's one of those albums that you just need to chill and listen to uh so i definitely recommend that for for the new music edition big sugar eternity now Gordy's been jumping on the digital, the new kind of, the the new normal, shall we say. He did a live, and I'll be honest, I haven't watched either one of them yet. I've been a little busy, but he did a live concert for CJ92, the radio station here in Calgary, on their Facebook page, and I've been meaning to listen to it, because it's just him and his garage kind of rocking out for an hour, and so... I'm excited about that one, and then he also did an album release party on, um, I think, the Big Sugar Socials this past Friday, so I definitely want to listen to both of them, because I want to, I kind of want to hear the new songs live, kind, that's how I kind of pick, or which one's my brain picks, as, I don't know about you, but when I see a concert, there's always, like, two or three songs that stand out, like, Some are ones that I love. Some are kind of that uh, B-side that you don't really listen to often, but your brain just kind of clicks with that song. So I want to listen to him play the new album just to kind of hear what my brain clicks with off that new album. So if you're a Big Sugar fan, definitely check out all that stuff. He provides more than enough uh, material out there. And uh, other than Big Sugar... Ooh, I talked for 26 minutes about Big Sugar. I'm I'm pretty proud of that one. Uh, I haven't really. There's not. The problem is there's not much news going on right now, and that's kind of why I want to get do more phone calls. I, all I, other than improving the audio, which I would definitely try and do. I really enjoyed uh, talking to Ryan last week and kind of having that talk for a little bit, then have a phone call for. The last bit of the podcast kind of makes it a lot easier to put these things out because especially this past week when you're busy and you don't have time to do a bunch of research and stuff. And luckily for all of you and for myself, my stone brain decided to just ramble for a while. So I didn't have to do all the research. But um, a few things that have been going on this past week, uh, a few of the states... I know Missouri, maybe Arkansas, have a or er, allowed concerts, and they want concerts back, which <laughs> just seems dumb at this point. But whatever, <laughs> it just um, and they're obviously fate doing the social distancing and uh, six feet apart and stuff. But it just at this point just seems like it could be a match in a in a dry forest, but um an idea that's been coming out there and a few States have already said, we want to try this drive-in concerts. So unfortunately Calgary doesn't have a drive-in theater. It's, it's too bad because it, I feel like it could be perfect and it could be used a lot. Cause anytime the city of Calgary does like, I, I know like a mall has one of their, um, what's it called? Parking lots convert into a drive-in theater. It's always packed. So it seems like a good idea, but, it probably costs a lot more than you'd imagine to run. So that's probably why you don't see them around a lot more, but certain places want to do driving concerts, which at this point I'm already concert deprived. I've already missed out on two concerts. Yeah. Rage against the machine already passed. I've already missed out on two concerts and I have about 10 or so, so more bands that I was supposed to see in the next couple months. I'm not. So I'm in for the idea of driving concerts. I put my brain to, uh, to work thinking about around Calgary. If you're a local here, if you're listening in Calgary, I'm trying to think of where you could do a driving concert and I just can't. So I don't think it's going to be happening in Calgary, but maybe at like, they could figure something out, but what are you going to get at most? Like a hundred or so cars, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't like the, Id- I don't know. <laughs> It'd be a good idea, but just the idea of having to deal with that many people in cars and ugh, yeah, it wouldn't work in Calgary. If you were a city that had a good drive-in theater, like, oh, if you're listening from Barry, that drive-in, oh, just North of Barry, uh has the greatest drive-in. It's easy to get to. I remember sneaking in trunks so I wouldn't have to pay. But now I think back, I was a douchebag because all my other friends paid. So I probably should have passed them a couple bucks. So if you guys listen, I'm sorry. But (laughs) Um, yeah, so if you're in a city that had a good drive-in, that would be a great way to spend your Saturday night having a concert, especially if it was a good rock band. (laughs) Calgary would probably just bring country bands because... Ugh, that's what happens when you live in a country town. But um, yeah, other than that, we just kind of have like the virtual concerts and that brings me to my next topic and it'll be the last one. I, you know how I always like to end on Aussie news, the kind of new way of bands doing it is the virtual concerts. So like the wild did one for when they released their album where they were in a rehearsal space there was only two guys working like um, one guy was working the lights and the camera. I can't remember what the other guy was doing, but, and they were like, yes, we are social distancing. So, but you're getting a lot more just kind of one person, the kind of lead singer playing the acoustic guitar and which yeah, is good. But after a while you're just like, all right, I need like a band. I need rock music and all that. And that's why I loved to the wild, have the whole band there and, from I watched like twenty seconds of um Gordy do a big sugar's kinda CJ show and um he had like a drum track and stuff, so you felt like you still had like the full rock experience. So but one one thing that came out this past week, I was listening to Jamie Jost's show. He had Jack Osborne on, and so he was just saying, Ozzy's dad's doing great, he's itching to get back out there. He's he's like, he's ready before the world's ready. And who thought Ozzy would be ready before the world would be ready to get back to normal? And um, one idea that Jack said has been floated around the Aussie camp is a virtual Ozfest. Oh, I'll give you a minute. <laughs> um, one thing that um, was brought up, Jamie Josta was saying kind of like, how small hate breed the band was and how nobody else would ever help them out. But how Ozzy and Sharon would help out bands. Like they listed off like five to 10 bands that would always constantly be helped by Ozzy and Sharon. And Jack even said, he's like Ozfest I think is kind of my parents legacy and my parents way of giving back to the community, giving back to the fans. And it's so true. He said, they talked about having all these bands that were too heavy for MTV, which meant they were too heavy for this many bands to open up for them. But Ozzy and Sharon would always have their OzFest and bring on Hatebreed and all these other smaller bands just to kind of give them the exposure. And even Jamie said, like, these bands would then get to say, oh, we would played OzFest and when they'd be trying to get on a tour or when they'd be trying to get on another festival, the promoters would go, Oh, OzFest. Like, so they're helping out the community. So, but the thing was, they always, and I've harped about this on this podcast, how much, how good to the fans they've been. When I've, when I saw, I'm trying to, I'll have to dig up the ticket stub, but when I saw Ozzy, they kind of, they brought a version of Ozfest. I don't know why they didn't call it Ozfest. They call it like Monsters of Rock. They brought it up to Calgary here. Probably about 10 years ago. And so it was Ozzy, uh, Judas Priest, uh, Surge from System of a Down when he was on his solo stuff. Uh I'm trying to think what other bands. Priestess, I was really excited about. Fuck. I'll have to remember. When I eventually get Mike on here cuz I know you're listening so you will get I will force you on an episode. There was a band. I'm going to have to look up who they were, but um the the lead singer was dressed as the devil and one of the songs called was called The Devil's Mouth and he puts on a big vagina costume. So it was just perfect. A guy dressed as a uh, as the devil with a big vagina costume for The Devil's Mouth. <laughs> but um where was I going with that? Oh, um, when they were in Calgary here, tickets were super cheap for having that many bands. Like, I can't imagine having Judas Priest, Ozzy's kind of price. Like, that's a big concert. And, like, what I really respected about them was they had a ton of sponsors, like, for the show just to kind of keep the ticket prices low. They, I remember between bands, the screens would just be like, having commercials for like, I don't remember exactly, but it was like monster energy type things. And it's like, fuck, of course I'll watch commercials for whatever products you want to sell to me if the tickets are going to be cheaper for the concert. So it's once again, Aussie's way of giving back to uh, to the fans, just being like, here's a full day of some of the biggest names in metal. And a lot of these up-and-coming bands. I think um, Hatebreed was even on that one. So um, that's kind of a perfect example of 10 years ago when nobody's heard of Hatebreed. He's bringing them up to Canada to play in front of um, McMahon Stadium full of people. Or they'd have years in the States where... There was one year, it was completely free. They figured out a way to have enough sponsors to pay for the bands, the crew... Everything so that all the tickets would be free. So, if that's not when, was the last time you saw Elton John, Madonna, Beyonce, or I can go on Lady Gaga, any of those people give back a single thing to their fans for a guy like Ozzy, who's one of the biggest names? He could charge top ticket price, he could charge. Three hundred dollars, he could pull a Rage Against the Machine pull and charge two hundred dollars, especially for festivals like that with that many bands. But no, he wants to take care of his fans, and so, um, what's it called? So, um, the the virtual Ozfest really intrigues me. Like, Like, even if they charged for it, they probably wouldn't charge too much for it. But just oh, a virtual Ozfest would be great for two reasons. It would be a bunch of it would be a day of rock. I'd get to see a ton of um, bands uh, live-streamed, and then to see Ozzy play his new music. Like, I, if you listen to the podcast, you know by now I was supposed to see Ozzy in July. It was cancelled before all this fucking corona shit. But it breaks my heart. No, it, it breaks my heart I can't see Ozzy, but... He's at this point, I would much rather him stay home and take care of himself than push it and try to do a concert or a tour, which would probably kill him. But I do hear that he's doing stem cells and it's like doing him. He went down to Panama right before the lockdowns happened, got some stem cells treatments and is doing amazing now. So let's see what happens after this. But another thing is his new music He's a rare, rare case where I actually enjoy. When you hear the Rolling Stones just put out a new song, and I'll be honest, I haven't even given it a listen. Because when when you hear, oh, the Rolling Stones have released a new song, and then don't hear it about it again, it's pretty sure it's probably a turd. <laughs> so, but Ozzy's album just was completely different. Um one song I couldn't stop listening to this weekend, Scary Little Green Men. And yes, it is about aliens. Um, he has. What's it called? It I've talked about this many times, but Chad from the Chili Peppers on drums, Duff on bass, Andrew Watt um on guitar, and then he brought in Tom Morello to do the guitar solo. He he wanted the Alien Tom Morello sound that only Tom Morello could bring. But so it was a it's a really good song. Listen to it. Scary little green men. But where I'm getting to with all that is if there was a virtual Ozfest, we would be able to hear him play those songs live. Like it's a riot. Um fuck. Morty Blankin. It's it's a riot. He'd probably play like four or five new songs off the new album and even if they charged a little bit, I'd still pay to see to a virtual OzFest. Here, let me get to the <laughs> Even Ordinary Man was a great song off that album. Uh Under the Graveyard, he'd probably play. It's a Raid is a really good song, so listen to that one if you want to hear some new Aussie. But if he did a virtual Ozfest, I would definitely get to hear those songs live. So that is why I'm in on board with the virtual Ozfest. And if he is for for Jack to give that kind of a Easter egg in a podcast, you know it is something that could be in the works. And if Ozzy's doing great and itching to do something, itching to get out there, itching to be in front of his fans, this could be a possibility. So I have my fingers crossed. Tune into the podcast because you know this will get talked about at nauseum. If you don't like Ozzy... First of all, don't even listen to this podcast. I don't want your listen. I don't want your download if you do not like (laughs) Ozzy. That is the stance I take. And I know I probably shouldn't tell people not to listen to my podcast, but that is how strongly I feel of my love for Ozzy. But, um, so yeah, like I said, pay attention to this podcast. I will be telling you all the details about if that, which let's say when. I'm not going to say if when that virtual OzFest happens, because it probably will happen. Um, if I was to guess, it's May 10th. Let's say July 4th. I could totally see Ozzy doing a July 4th thing, because, fuck, there's going to be no other American things going on, and you know how big July 4th is. Um, they've done other OzFests where it's a they'll do a one-off... Uh, New Year's Eve Ozfest down in LA, and so for Ozzy, it's okay. I'll play a concert and then uh, take a limo back to my my mansion. So it's kind of that perfect scenario for Ozzy, and this will be another another perfect scenario. He'll probably br- uh, be brought down to a soundstage, uh, do a concert for an hour and a half, and then get brought back home. So win win for everybody involved. So. Let's all cross our fingers, that happens and and uh yeah i think I think that's it for the night holy shit i've I've rambled for a while i'm I'm proud of myself. I was like, this may only last about ten minutes. We'll see, but uh, yeah, so pay attention um if you want to hear all of that Aussie news pay attention to the socials. I have Keep Rock Alive for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And other than that, have a good week and keep rock alive.